There's plenty of bad news out there. How about some good news? The book of Proverbs says that good news from a far country is like cold waters to a thirsty soul. I'm glad you're listening, because I do have good news. It's from a far country, so get out a tall glass. My name is Dean Kirshner. I hope, as we have started a new year, that you are even more committed to getting that story out. It's the story of a God that loves sinful men and women enough to die for their sins. And then he rose victorious over the grave to lead those who believe into eternal life. That's a great story. And this podcast is focused on telling the stories of different people around the world who are telling that story. I trust that if you listen to this podcast, you desire as much as I do that every person made in God's image will be able to hear and know what God has done. I have heard from many of you who are encouraged with these testimonies I'm sharing. There is Jaden and Brianna and Charlotte and Olivia from Texas. Hi, guys. So glad to have you listening. There's Anne from Florida, who I know loves the Lord and his word. She sent a $100 gift for Booker Banda. He was the one who the first episode was about. That $100 was for him to buy Bibles. Mary from Sharpsburg, Maryland wrote me a very special email. And I do enjoy reading everybody's letters that you send. I don't always answer them. But Mary, I'm praying for your family and that God will show himself strong and gracious. Could I take a short moment here and ask you as listeners to like or subscribe to this podcast? I listen to several podcasts regularly, but I have not subscribed to them. However, when you listen on Google Podcasts or on Stitcher or on Spotify, by subscribing, you not only get notifications each time I send out an episode, but the more subscribers there are, the more findable this podcast is for others. So subscribing is a way of saying, I like these stories, and I want Dean and Gosplank to know that I like these stories. In other words, you enjoy a cup of good news. I grew up hearing these missionary gospel hymns. Songs like, So Send I You, and Throw Out the Lifeline, and Send the Light. Remember that one? Send the light, the blessed gospel light, let it shine from shore to shore. I know you won't ask me to sing it, but I sing it to the Lord sometimes and sing it to my kids. Yeah, Send the Light, the blessed gospel light. You know, gospel ain't has a heartbeat. And if you had a stethoscope, you would hear our pulse, which is a desire to strengthen the church and empower and enable national preachers who want to send that light. On this side of the ocean, Gospel Inc. is looking for God's people who have an interest in foreign missions. You know, supporting national people in their ministries is a growing idea, especially as we see travel restricted for us because of COVID-19 or because parts of Asia are specifically closed to Americans. They're still technically communist. Or 
because of potential armed conflicts like we're seeing in Ethiopia, in Kazakhstan, and on the Russian-Ukraine border. Speaking of Ukraine, today's episode is titled, Not for the Faint-Hearted. We would refer to the cafe as a hole in the wall. It operated without neon lights, and the idea of delivery or catering had never crossed management's mind. Honestly, I have to say that I have dined in dirtier places, and if you know me, then you know I'm pretty easy to please when it comes to food. So I'm not complaining now, nor did I then as I ate lunch. I was eating fine Ukrainian borscht and enjoying the company of Pavel Petrovich. He was Gospel Inc.'s national director at the time. We always eat well in Ukraine, and I found the food adequate enough to stave off midday hunger. We had been on the road, and I knew that it was only a few hours remaining until a nice homemade Ukrainian meal could be prepared and properly enjoyed. Therefore, the cafe was a welcome stop, and it was there at that cafe that our national director gave me his take on Putin's strategy. Pavel Petrovich has lived in Zaporozhye a long time. He's savvy, worldly-wise, godly, and politically sharp. Now, it's impossible for the common man to see the clandestine intrigues of the inner circles of government. But Pavel Petrovich has 60 years' experience of reading between the political lines and deciphering the truth amidst all the corruption of his country. He believes that Russian President Putin made a deal with then-Ukrainian President Viktor Yanukovych. Why else would the Ukrainian president begin a drastic disarmament program about 10 years ago in 2012. Putin has long claimed that the breakup of the former Soviet Union was the greatest tragedy of the 20th century. Now in power in the Kremlin, Putin discusses ways to reverse the said damage. Plenty of evidence also attests to the friendship between Putin and Yanukovych. Now my friend, Pavel Petrovich, believes the two had worked out a deal in which Yanukovych would work politically in Ukraine with policies and underlings to provoke national Ukrainian uprisings. Eastern Ukraine is predominantly Russian-speaking and Russian culture. So Yanukovych would call for police action protection from Mother Russia, who in the name of defending the Russians of the eastern part of Ukraine would then bring in a military escort to occupy the east of Ukraine from Kiev to the Crimea. The nationalistic Ukrainians reacted far more expediently than anyone expected. In fact, about a year too early for Putin and Yanukovych to have all their political ducks in a row. As a result, Yanukovych was ousted with bloodshed and non-ceremoniously escaped east into Russia, the country he had planned to profit with his quizzling offer. Russia did indeed supply and equip insurgents in the Luhansk and Donetsk areas of Ukraine. But Ukraine called up tanks and troops to man the border. It was bad. Killing, looting, destruction, and thousands of refugees followed. But wait a minute here. The storyline of this podcast is good news from a far country. If you want the bad news, it's easy to find with one or two clicks. You don't even have to be good at surfing to find the bad news. 
I just thought I needed to share that historical bad news so you could understand the setting for the outreach. What outreach? The journey undertaken by Vladimir Pavlenko, a Ukrainian national preacher whose heart is moved for the lost and the needy in his country. He is not faint-hearted. Let me introduce him. Before I repented, my life was no different from the lives of others. I regarded Christians as uneducated or misled. My grandmother, my babushka, was a believer, but her talk about God bored me. People who needed God, I believed, were elderly people or simply unfortunate. Then God led my wife and I to be unfortunate. I now rejoice that God led us into this affliction. You see, 10 years after our first child, we became pregnant again. There was a serious RH factor with my wife's blood and my baby's blood. My wife became very ill, and I had to be the wage earner and the homekeeper. Our small earnings evaporated. Our son was born. Our lives were strained. We could not even heat our home. I was having thoughts of suicide at that time. Then I heard a television program where a national Ukrainian preacher invited people to come to visit the house of prayer. I went. I did not go to find God, but after my second visit, I understood God was calling me to himself, and I repented of my self-will and received salvation. As I grew, I became active in Christian service. My church ordained me to be a deacon, and I studied the Bible at the Bible College in Zaporozhye to be more prepared to serve God. Today, I am committed to preaching the message of salvation to others who are like I was. That is the testimony that he wrote in his gospeling application. He was recommended by Pavel Petrovich, whom I've already mentioned as our national director, and today, Vladimir Pavlenko is supported for $200 a month by two different sponsors here in the United States. This makes a huge difference in his life and enables him to go on outreaches like the one I'm about to tell. Again, not to re-emphasize the bad news, but it's been a few years now. And honestly, we've heard more about Hunter Biden in Ukraine than we have about the church and what's happening with the people there. By 2016, 1,750,000 displaced people were scattered throughout Ukraine. They fled the industrial region of Donetsk, which is now ruled by thugs and operates in a quasi kind of autonomy. Putin did not achieve the takeover that he probably hoped for, but keeping Ukraine unstable served as a sufficient consolation prize. Internally displaced, is the politically correct word for refugee. And when we read such statistics, we shake our heads in sorrow and despair for the plight of these people. But the God of the nations is not defeated. Our God uses wars and rumors of war to turn people to spiritual things. One of our gospel-link preachers actually started an entire church in his area, all the way on the other side of the country near Uzhgorod in which the members were all refugees from the eastern regions. God continues to thread the tapestries of man's sufferings and man's offenses to yield repentance and an increase in his kingdom. While the insurgents in Donetsk launched hand grenades 
and fired machine guns. The weapons wielded by the people of God are not carnal and earthly. They are deeds of kindness and generosity, pinion in faith. Such warfare is encapsulated in the ministry of Vladimir Pavlenko. Our Western headlines published the initial sufferings of the Ukrainians, but months after the sensational news died down, the afflictions continued in that country. Unable to return to their Soviet-built apartments, over a million people found themselves in United Nations makeshift dwellings. As winter moved into that part of the world, the cost of goods rose. Somehow, the country of Ukraine absorbed this travesty on an economic scale. But every report that Gospel Link received from Ukraine said the same thing. It echoed the same needs and the same uncertainty. Vladimir Pavlenko prayed with his wife. He prayed with his Christian brothers about the crisis. He lives not far from Zaporozhye, a relatively safe 120 miles from what they call the gray zone. But as he helped to minister to refugees, he also heard about the plight and desperation of people who could not flee. In response to the prayers and the leading of God, he helped organize a relief convoy. He would take some key men and as many foodstuffs as the van could hold, and he and some friends would drive into the gray zone. In case you are like me and don't know what a gray zone is, it's no man's land between Ukrainian military units and Russian-backed insurgents. Vladimir Pavlenko wrote, Unfortunately, I have to write that there is a front line in Ukraine. Our church collected food goods and decided to join a group that was helping villages near the war zone. On the way there, we encountered snow and ice. <laughs> snow and ice. <laughs> the same kind of snow and ice that makes Americans south of the Mason-Dixon line rush to the grocery store and stock up on milk and bread. The kind of snow and ice that when I lived in New England as a boy prompted my daddy to gather extra kindling and bank the hearth with a bigger log. Yeah, Vladimir Pavlenko encountered snow and ice. This mercy van full of God's people and food supplies went off the road and flipped over on its side. I'm guessing some kind of snow demon stuck his foot out in an attempt to derail these valiant men. Now, I don't want you to think that I'm making light of demons when I say that. Obviously, there are not snow demons, but there are spiritual forces that oppose the work of our Lord. And I can only imagine what they may have been playing out in the spiritual world on the road that day. Whatever the case, Pastor Pavlenko sent a photo with his report. It's a great photo. Proof that this journey was not for the faint of heart. And I'll add that Gospel Inc. does not print this photo on our short-term missions brochure. I will, however, post it to the webpage, Cup of Good News. Vladimir continued his report. By the mercy of God, we only fell from a low height, and there was no oncoming traffic. The snow softened the blow, and when we crawled out of the van and recovered from the initial shock, we found that no one was hurt seriously. Within 30 minutes, a man with a tractor helped to upright the van, and we continued on our way. They took back roads to reach their targeted villages. Twice they were halted by Ukrainian military patrols. As we neared Mariupol, 
we were met by two officers of the armed forces of Ukraine, and they accompanied us on the remainder of our trip. They were fully armed and warned us that this travel can be very dangerous. They worried that we did not have bulletproof vests and helmets. We said to them that we are people who believe in God. We go to preach the gospel to people who are living under regular fire. Either out of curiosity or concern for their safety, two of the officers that Vladimir mentioned accompanied them on their journey. You know, the journey not for the faint heart. Finally, they reached Gnutova. Now, most of the dachas there lay empty, but smoke escaped from a few chimneys. How shocked and happy the elderly people were to open a door to well-wishers. They brought in oranges and sausages to a family that lived only 500 yards from the armed conflict. There were three generations living in this family, and they told about how they had no money and nowhere to go. They told about how when the artillery fired and the machine guns sounded, they would hide in their cellar. Pastor Pavlenko prayed with them, told them that God had not forgotten them, encouraged them to turn to the Lord for their hope, not only in this trial, but for all of life. He also took their photo and sent it along with his report. Later in the day, the team arrived in Arlovskoye. The people there waited with anticipation because they had heard via cell phone that this group was on their way. The accident and the previous stops delayed them several hours. Nonetheless, the people of Arlovskoye waited hours in the bitter cold. Their hope was simply to receive bread cereal grains, cooking oil. No more do public buses run to and from Orlovskoye. There are no stores that are open there for business. There is no postal delivery that brings social security checks. Pastor Pavlenko wrote that between 100 to 150 people live there as hostage, having no place to go. The remnant citizens of Orlovskoye told the Mercy Mission that no one had visited there for weeks, and they gasped in amazement after hearing about the overturned van. What perseverance! What commitment! More than once, Vladimir Pavlenko heard someone ask, Pachimu, why? Why did you not give up? Why did you not return home? We praised God and told them that we serve Him and that He loves this village and had sent us a tractor to upright our van and to keep us on our mission. <laughs> Questioners weren't the only ones who approached the visiting Christians. Several people told Pastor Pavlenko that they have begun to read the New Testament. They were seeking God. Repeatedly, the men prayed for people individually as well as in families. When they arrived at their last destination that day, Hranitnoya, the sun was already down. More than 50 civilians from this town had been killed in the conflict. After dark, the people lived in blackout conditions in fear of snipers, so the remaining food gifts were left with the city council. Gospelink encourages people to participate in short-term mission trips, to be a part of the outreaches and the ministries of these national men and women reaching their own people. But we don't take trips like this one, no matter how short-term they may be. Americans are concerned about diseases, safety, visa requirements. That's okay. I understand. 
After all, I'm American too. But in the darkest of times, even in war and chaos, God has his people sending the light, bearing truth and good works in his name. I have met Vladimir Pavlenko. He made it back from the gray zone that night, exhausted but refreshed and encouraged that God had used them and protected them. Desperate people had not simply received groceries. They saw followers of Jesus taking a risk for their sake. They encountered national men who spoke their language, who wanted to pray for them. They heard the gospel, but they also witnessed genuine love and persevering faith. That, my friend, is good news. And the dawning to noonday bright And Christ's great kingdom shall come to earth The kingdom of love and light Me? Well, I can't say for sure, but I might have interpreted the flip van as God's hand to keep us from not going. But not Vladimir Pavlenko. He had prayed. His heart is not faint. He is one of 70 men supported through Gospel Inc. in Ukraine who truly serve the Lord in treacherous times and places. I know many of you support a Ukrainian preacher through Gospel Inc. But this year, we are beginning a fund called the Ukrainian Church Planting and Strengthening Initiative. If you'd like to regularly support outreach, like the one you've just heard to the refugees, please write to me or contact Gospel Inc. Maybe you are helping one of our national men already, but you'd like to give a one-time gift to this church planning and strengthening initiative. You will get quarterly updates and photos of how your donation is used. Pray about it. Write to me, dean at cupofgoodnews.org. That's dean at cupofgoodnews.org. Check out the photos I mentioned from Vladimir's outreach. They're at cupofgoodnews.org. Pray for these people and be glad that in the midst of tumultuous countries, there's still good news. <laughs>